Today, I want to talk to you about the other side of a wall. The other side of a wall. How do you get to the other side of a wall? And what I want to do today is look at Joshua chapter 6. So grab your Bibles, get your smartphones, and open up the Scriptures, and, and let's look together at Joshua chapter 6. I'll be there in just a few moments. Let, let's dive into this message today. And the first thing that I want us to look at is the wall. Point one, the wall. If you're not familiar with this story, the, the, God promises the, the nation of Israel this land, this land where they could settle in and, and they could, they, they, it would be their land and, and they could build houses, they could work, they could raise a family, they could finally settle down in this land. And, and to you, that may not be that very big of a, of a thing. You're like, that's, that's not that big of a deal. What's the big deal? Well, you have to understand the, the history of Israel. Israel was in bondage bondage in captivity in, in the nation of Egypt for over 400 years. And, and after 400 years of slavery, they, they, they get out of Egypt and they're in the desert and, and, and they're excited about going to this promised land. And, and yet they, they roamed around and wandered around in the desert for 40 years. 40 years, they're, they're, they're waiting for this promised land. And, and after 40 years, they finally get to the first city, this land that was theirs, and there was a problem. There was a dilemma. There was a situation that stood in their way. There was a huge wall, history says, uh, approximately about 40 feet high, a humongous wall. History also says there was probably more than one wall, maybe two or three walls close together. I mean, it was a huge obstacle that stood in their way. Listen, on the other side of that wall stood their dream. On the other side of that wall stood their destiny. On the other side of that wall stood where God wanted his people to be. And they had to get on the other side of the wall. And I faced walls in my own life. I can relate to the nation of Israel. Because I've been in seasons of my life that I've been on this side of a wall. And God wanted me on this side. The dream, the destiny that God had for my life was on this side. But I, I found myself on this side of the wall. I've shared this with you before when, when I met Tiffany and, and I was in college and I was a senior and she was a freshman and she chased me down until I finally took her out on a date. And uh, <laughs> that's my version of the story and I'm sticking to it. What's up? And, um, and we went out and I was 20 and she was... 18 and then 19 and I was 21 and we, we were dating and we got engaged and loved Tiffany, loved her character, who she was, what she stood for, her love for the Lord Jesus and we're engaged and I'm scared to get married. Matter of fact, I almost backed out of marrying Tiffany. On wedding day, we're, we're, I was ready to back out. It was going through my mind because I, I, I was at fear in my heart. I, I was scared. My, my, my parents had been divorced, and I had blown it big time in high school and lived wild, and, and I, I felt shame. I felt like I wasn't going to be a good husband. I really felt like, we, hey, this marriage is not going to make it, and I almost didn't get on the other side of that wall. 
And I think about, I think about if I would have not gotten on the other side of that wall, I mean, just think about it. I would have never married the barbecue sauce on my ribs. I've told you before, I would have never married the jelly on my toast. I, I would have never married the hot sauce on my chitlins. And I've added this new line. I would have never married the ham hock in my pinto beans. Come on, somebody. Come on, I get creative every once in a while. My wife is like food to me. What's up? But I would have never married her. I would have never had four precious kids. I mean, on the other side of that huge wall was God's dream for my life. Tiffany and I, when we got married, I remember we, it was April of 2001, I'll never forget it, when God spoke to my heart, driving home from an engagement, from speaking about starting a church. And over the next several months, as we were praying about direction on where to go, we felt like the Lord was leading us to come to Oklahoma City. Yet there were other opportunities there. There, there were an opportunity to go to Phoenix, Arizona, and we really looked at it and did the demographic studies and studied Phoenix. And we were looking at the Kansas City, uh, Missouri area. We were living in Missouri at the time, and we were looking at starting a church in the Missouri uh, area, the state of Missouri. And, and then we were looking into Minneapolis. And I, I don't share this story very often, but we, we really looked hard at Minneapolis about going to start a people's church there and going there to live uh, that, that there was actually an organization that opened up the doors in a huge way for us and said, we want you to come. We're going to give you money and build it. We're going to really support you. And I still talk to Roger today. Roger's a, a great friend of mine. And every time I see him, he says, Herbert, you and Tiffany missed God. You were supposed to be in Minneapolis. But every winter when they got 14 inches of snow, I say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Our snow comes and goes. Yours doesn't. But, but, but there, 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 so there were these opportunities that, that they were open, and then we hit an obstacle. We hit a wall in coming to Oklahoma City. And when we hit that wall, tears in our eyes, hearts broken, and we almost didn't come to Oklahoma City. We almost let that wall that we encountered, that we faced, we almost let that wall. Because see, here's the deal. When you and I face a wall, and some of you are facing a wall today, you're facing a wall maybe in your marriage, you're facing a wall with your kids, you're facing a wall in your finances, you're facing a wall in your career, you're, you're facing a wall maybe in your life and there's an addiction and you're facing the wall. And on the other side of that wall is where God wants you to be. And when you and I face a wall, here's our options. Option one is we can flee. We can flee it. But here's the deal. If you flee it, if, if Tiffany and I would have fled from what God wanted for, for, from us, you know what happens? Is we just flee right back into the desert. And we just go in the desert and we wander around and roam around and wander around. But we never get to where God wants us to be. And so when you face a wall, and some of you are facing a wall today, option one is you can flee it. But that can't be an option. You can't go back to the desert. You can't go wander around for years again. And the other option is to face it. I'm going to face the wall that is in front of me because on the other side of that wall is the dream that God has for my life. First of all, there's the wall. And the second thing that I want you to see is the way. The way. You see, God gives us a way, or we could say it like this. When we face a wall, God gives us instructions 
either from the Bible or he can give us instructions from the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and God can give you instructions from the Holy Spirit. He can give you instructions from, from other Christians and God will speak to, 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 to us through other people who love the Lord. But, but here's what I want you to see. God gives us a way on how to get to the other side of the walls we face in life. And that's exactly what he did for the nation of Israel. Look with me in Joshua, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6, and picking up in verse number 3. The Bible says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Notice God is giving them the way, the way. March around the wall once a day for six days. Verse 4, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. Notice God gives them instructions on how to overcome the wall. With the priest blowing the horns, when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, the way, the way, the way. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Now, very quickly, because I believe... It will be very key, very pivotal in your relationship with Christ and as you encounter walls to understand these four insights. I want to give you four insights about the way. Four insights about the way so that you can see the wall come down in your life. The first insight is this. The wall, excuse me, the way is specific. The way is specific. Uh, Did you notice that God told Israel something very specific? March around the walls for six days once a day. On the seventh day, march around seven times. If they wanted to get to the other side of the wall, they had to follow God's specific way. They couldn't march around for four days. They couldn't march around for five days and around that wall and say, you know, the wall's going to fall down. No, it wouldn't work. They had to follow God's specific instructions. And you know what most people do? Most people follow about what half of what God says. And you know what most people think? Most people think, you know, I'm not marching those seven times, seven days around that wall. I'm marching three because I got a shortcut. I got a shortcut. I got a, I got a good idea. I'm not marching seven days. And here's what I want you to understand. You can't halfway follow God and get on the other side of the wall you're facing. You see, it's very important that you don't waste time trying to convince God to get on your side and you instead get on God's side. But so many people try to convince God to get on their side. I'm not marching seven times around the wall on the seventh day. I'm not doing that. I'm going to do my thing and God, I want you to get involved in my thing. God says, no, I'm not about your thing. And so many people never see the walls come down in their life because they halfway follow God. And I want to submit to you today that, listen, if you want the walls to come down in your life, you've got to follow God's instructions. You can't do it your way. Obey his word. Obey what he says in the scriptures. Follow the word of God. You cannot do it your way and get the walls to come tumbling down. God's way, the way is specific. There's a second thing that I want you to see, and that is this. The way won't always make sense. You will never make it to the other side of the wall if you have to understand everything before you start marching. Can I tell you that 40-foot high wall, marching around that wall made no sense. I mean, how in the world is marching around 
a solid wall going to make it fall? It just doesn't make sense. And so many people say, now, God, I'm not marching around that wall. That doesn't make any sense. You got to give me some more details. I got to have, you know, I'm a little confused. I need a little bit more how this is going to work out. And God says, no, 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 here's how walls come down in your life. You got to march when it doesn't make sense. You got to learn to march when it doesn't make sense. You won't have everything figured out. I'm just telling you to march around the walls once a day for six days. Well, God, give me some. No, that's all I'm giving you. Now, are you going to be obedient to what I've spoken to you? Because I'll tell you to do some things that don't make any sense to you. Bless those who curse you. You better, you better march. Love your enemies. You better march. You got to march around the walls when it makes no sense. And so many people never see the walls come tumbling down because they want to have it all figured out before they start to march. A third thing that I want you to see, a third insight here, is the way takes commitment. The way takes commitment. See, getting to the other side of the wall that you and I face in life, it's not always easy. Sometimes the only way to the other side of the wall is you got to march for days. Sometimes you got to march for weeks. Sometimes to get on the other side of the wall that we're facing in life, you got to march for months. There's even sometimes you're facing a wall in life, you got to march for years. It's not always easy. You know what we want? We like immediate progress. Immediate. We want the walls to come down immediately. Come on, I need progress today, Jesus. I'm going to take 10 steps and that wall better fall. We don't like waiting. Come on, we, don't, we, we, we like quick results. We want it to happen now. But please hear me. We are into progress. But God is also into process. See, to God, process is just as important to pro- as progress. I want you to hear me because God thinks about things differently than we do. See, when we encounter walls, we're like, where's progress? Knock the wall down, God. Didn't you say that's our land? Knock the wall down. God says, yeah, I'm going to knock it down. But process, to me, is just as important as progress. Because if process wasn't important to me, i just blow the wall down. But process is important to me, so get out there and march around that wall for six days. But you're God, knock down the wall. Process is important. I want the wall to fall. I want you to have the land. But process, to me, is just as important as progress. Because the process shows me if you trust me. Process shows me if you're depending on me or depending on you. March around that wall for six days. On the seventh day, you're not marching once, you're marching seven. I don't want to do that. Well, are you depending on me or are you depending on you? Process is important. Because I'm not just concerned about what's happening through you and around you. I'm concerned about what's happening in you. March around that wall. Because if you march around that wall, see, when, when, I give you, when I give you a way, and if you follow my way, it shows me, it reveals to me your level of obedience. And I'll know your level of obedience because I'm in the process. You want progress? I want to see will you obey me? Will you follow me? Will you follow every instruction? Will you stay faithful? Will you keep a good attitude? When you march, when it doesn't make any sense, process is just as important as progress. But so many people don't see the walls come down because they want to negate the process. And they only focus on the progress. But process is important to our Heavenly Father. There's a fourth thing that I want you to see, and that is this. The way takes faith. The way takes faith. 
It takes faith to get to the other side of the wall that you're facing in your life. Now, this is huge. I don't want you just to say, oh, you know, this is just a little minor thing. This is really huge. Victory is not achieved through fighting. It's achieved through faith. It's faith that wins the battle. You see, when God has a big job to do, he always gives faith the contract. Faith. Matter of fact, here's what the writer of Hebrews says, so powerful, Hebrews chapter 11. He has to just summarize the entire story of Joshua 6. He has to summarize the walls coming down. He's not telling the whole story. He's just summarizing it for us. And here's how he summarizes it in Hebrews 11, verse number 30. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. By what, church? By faith. Faith. We win the victory not by fighting but by, by faith. Faith. I want you to see what the scripture says in Joshua 6 and verse 2 about faith, faith, faith. It says, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Now notice this, before Israel ever started to march, God said, listen Israel, Jericho is already defeated. You haven't even marched one day, but here's what I want you to know. I've already given Jericho into your hands. Now, all I want you to do is march around the walls because the victory has already been won. Now, if you and I were the Israelites, many of us would have said, well, God, if we've already won the battle, if the city's already ours, then why are those walls still standing? But God says, I'm talking in faith. I'm a God of faith. You know, has God ever said anything like that to you before? Has God ever spoken to you like that? Again, that faith talk. God says to you, your husband has changed. You just march. You're like, that sucker hadn't changed. No, 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 no. Uh, you march. The, the victory's won. Your kids love Jesus. March. No, they don't love Jesus. I'm looking at them. These are baby's kids. They don't die. They multiply. We got issues. No, you march. But God, my finances, you, you said they're turned around. What? My they're not turned around. God says, no, they are turned around. You march. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You know, no, they're not. Yes, they are. March. Because I cause walls to fall down when you operate by faith. Israel, the city's already yours. Now go march. It's very important that you understand the way takes faith. There's a third thing that I want you to see, a, a third point, and that is this, the worship. We looked at the wall, we looked at, at, at the way, and I want us to look at the worship. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 6 says this, So Joshua called together the priest and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. This is so powerful. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament tabernacle and, and all of the pieces in it, part of the Old Testament tabernacle was, was this thing called the ark of the covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. It was literally God's presence 
with Israel. And if you study the scriptures, study the Old Testament, you'll find out when they had the ark with them, man, they would prosper, they would do well, they would win victories. The ark was so important. The presence was so important. And listen, you and I need God's presence to get to the other side of the wall. It's so important that you understand this. You will not get to the other side of the wall with your own strength, your own ingenuity, your own wisdom. We need God's presence to get to the other side of the walls we face in life. And he says, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant. And then he says this, and assign seven priests to walk in front of it. Seven priests. In other words, God says, you have to have the right people. You got to have my presence and you have to have godly people to get to the other side of that wall. Can I submit to you today? You need God's presence and you need the right people in your life. Do you have the right people in your life? People who love God, people who are carriers of the presence of God, people who can give you godly, wise, biblical counsel. Take, get the seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn, verse 7. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Listen, my pre- listen, I'm telling you, I've already told you by faith. I've told you to march, but I'm telling you, a king component, Israel, is you need my presence. Take the ark. You got to have my presence. Verse 8, after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they march. They're carrying the presence of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, and they're blowing the horns as they march. You know what I love about this? Here's what God is simply saying. Worship while you march. Listen, you know what walls try to do? Walls try to silence your worship. Come on, I've been there before. Facing a wall, discouraged, upset, and walls will try to silence your praise. But it's so important to God that you worship and you, mar- you, you worship while you march. He goes on to say there in verse number eight, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Now, I love verse number nine. This is so key. There's some rich nuggets here in verse number nine. It says, some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some, and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Here's what verse number nine says. Let me paint the picture for you. It says that the priests were carrying the, the, the ark of, of the Lord. They were blowing the trumpets. And the Bible says this, that there were armed men, soldiers. God says, I want soldiers to be in front, armed soldiers. I don't want them to be unarmed. It's important that they're armed. Armed soldiers to march in front of the ark. Then it says this, I, I want armed soldiers to march behind the ark. In other words, God is saying, protect my presence. See, it's very important when you're encountering a wall that you protect the presence of God. As I said to you earlier, walls have a way of silencing our praise. Walls have a way of silencing our worship. Walls have a way to push us away from God's presence. And some of you are facing some insurmountable walls, some huge walls, some some tall walls. And it's very important that you're carrying the presence of God. It's very important that you're protecting the presence of God. You're fighting. You're going through this wall. You're trying to get to the other side of this wall. Come on, can I tell you? Listen, protect your praise. Protect your worship. It's very important. Protect your Bible reading time because the devil will try to push you away. That wall, you've been marching around for 40 years. You've been believing God and you don't see anything happening and the wall is still there and the devil will try to push you out of your prayer time. He'll try to push you out of your Bible reading time. 
He'll try to push you away from church, and you used to come every week, and now it's every other week, and now it's once a month, now it's Christmas, and he'll push you away because you're facing a wall in your life. He'll get you out of community groups. He'll get you out of it. He's trying to push you out of God's presence, but you got to carry the ark of the Lord, and you need some armed men in front, and you need some armed men. I'm going to protect God's presence because I can't get on the other side of the wall without the presence of the Lord. I got to protect his presence. I need his presence. I need his tangible touch. I need his anointing on my life. I got to have his presence. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16 says this. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Now, I love this. You see, everybody shouts. After the walls fall down. Come on, we throw parties, you know what I mean? Woo, my child got saved. Yes, I got the job. Man, my marriage made it. Woo, I finally got married. Thank you, Jesus. You know, woo, glory. God says, no, that's not when I want you to shout. I want you to give me praise then. You bless the Lord at all times. But everybody shouts then. I like what Marion Jones said last week, the former Olympic champion who went to prison, was here last week, and... and she said, listen, when I used to win races, I'd get in front of the camera and I'd give God praise because things are going good. But when I lost and when things weren't going well, I would say, Marion, what's wrong with you? See, everybody gives God praise when they're winning the race. Everybody has a shout when the walls fall down. But God says, you know what I want from my people? You know how you get walls to come down in your life? You shout while the wall is still standing. You praise me while the wall is still standing. You bless the Lord at all times and let his praise be continually on your lips, on your mouth. You've got to learn to shout when the wall is still. I'm talking to somebody right now. The devil's trying to rob you of your shout. You're letting the situations rob you of your shout. You're not giving God worship anymore. You're not blessing his name anymore. And I'm here to tell you to get to the other side of that wall. Don't let the devil steal your shout. Shout and then the walls will come down. The worship, the worship, the worship, the worship is so key to seeing the wall come down. And number four is this. The fourth point I want to share with you is the win. There's the wall. There's the way. There's the worship. And the last thing we see in this scripture is the win. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20 says, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Notice this. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Now, we love that suddenly. I love, when I read that, I just, it jumped out at me suddenly, suddenly. And I love those suddenly moments. But I want you to see how the suddenly happened, how the wind happened. You know what, how it happened? They had to face the wall. You're facing a wall right now. Are you going to flee it or are you going to face it? Because walls don't come down unless you face it. And I want you to see suddenly happened because they faced the wall. You know why suddenly happened? Because they didn't just face it, but they followed the way. Not their way, God's way. Are you following God's way? Are you kind of halfway following God? You know, a little bit of church, a little bit of God, you know, a little bit of Christianity, but I kind of do my... Walls don't come down like that. You got to follow the way. 
And the last thing I want you to see, they had to face the wall, they had to follow the way, and then they had to focus on worship. And when they focused on worship and they had the presence of the Lord and, and the ram's horns were blowing and they, they gave a shout, right, on the seventh day after the seventh time around the city when the, when the trumpet blasted, they, they shout, and the walls came down. Suddenly, the Bible says, but it's so important. You got to face the wall. You got to follow the way. And you got to focus on worship. And man, I'm a living testimony. I'm so grateful I faced the wall in my life. There's been many of them. But the two examples I gave earlier, I'm so glad that I married my, my wife. And today in the green room when I was studying back and behind the stage and just going over my notes, I texted my wife before the first service and just said, baby, I love you. So glad you're a Proverbs 31 woman. I'm so honored to be married to her. And she texted me back. Come on, she's been putting up with me almost 16 years. She said, I love you too. I'm so grateful I got on the other side of the wall. I'm so grateful when I hit the wall, Tiffany and I, and we contemplated not coming to Oklahoma City. I'm so glad we faced it. We didn't flee. I'm glad we faced it. And it was some tough days there, some tough days in the valley of decision. And I'm so glad we followed the way and we followed God's word. We were obedient to God's voice. And I'm so glad that the enemy didn't steal our shout. That we gave God praise in the middle of the situation. We worshiped God. We honored God. We, we blessed the Lord at all times. And I look, can you, can you believe this? I still can't believe it. That this church will be 11 years old on Mother's Day weekend. And all the lives that have been changed. Because we got on the other side of the wall. And I don't say that for me. I say that for you. I say this for you because, listen, all I want to do is give you an example. You're facing a wall. On the other side of that wall is God's dream for your life. It's God's destiny for your life. It's God's purpose and plan for your life. It's not always easy. Follow God. Focus on worship. Face the wall. Suddenly, the Bible says, the walls came tumbling down. And I believe in Jesus' name, you're getting to the other side of the wall you're facing in your life because God has a promised land for you.